The automotive world is evolving. As the era of the internal combustion engine winds down and new technologies are introduced, new leaders will emerge in the automotive landscape. The EV Power Podcast by RPM News takes you behind the headlines as your guide to this new generation of sustainable transportation. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the EV Power Podcast brought to you by RPM News Weekly. My name is Peter. With me, as always, is Rich Tabor. Rich, say hello. Howdy. How's everything going? Good, good. You know, good. We're doing pretty good. We had a little bit of an extended holiday vacation, and uh, now we're back behind the mic, you know, because we got some interesting EV stuff to talk about. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Chrysler Pacifica and uh, and um, what's coming from, I don't want to say FCA. I can't say that anymore. I'll have to say Stellantis, uh, which I'll never get used to, and hopefully somebody will buy them out <laughs> so they get rid of that name. Uh, but, yeah, you know, they have some, you know, some exciting EV or electrified, I guess you could say, projects coming out. And, um, and good timing, too, because uh, if you want to lead off our first news story, a little bit of uh, some big news in the automotive uh, world, at least here in the United States. Oh, yeah, that's that's for sure. Uh, you know, and, and just to kind of get uh, get back to about uh, the extended period of time, yeah, it was, uh, it was productive in a lot of ways, uh, some of it related to what we do here on EV Power Podcasts, and some of it otherwise, and, and in that interim, we saw the merger of uh, FCA and the company that uh, manages and holds on to Peugeot uh, into a big, giant automotive entity called Stellantis, which, you know, after this week, and we're going to talk about the Pacifica in a little while, after this week, uh, that kind of rolls off my tongue pretty easily, uh, having had a few conversations with some of the folks at Stellantis. And we'll talk more about that later. But uh, back to this uh, proposed legislation that could really uh, have an enormous boost for EV auto sales, potentially have that, uh, perhaps more than what happened uh, when the first round of the tax, uh, well, the tax incentives that were created for people who were purchasing auto uh, EV automobiles or uh at least partial EVs or full EVs. So essentially what it is is that uh, back on Friday, February the 5th, uh, in uh, the House of Representatives, there was a revised uh, revision to the tax code that was put forth. Uh, that of course, I'll have to go to the, to the, to the full House uh, after it comes out of this subcommittee. But there was, you know, uh, a number of legislators signed off on it already. And what it would do was is that uh, it would reintroduce the, uh, t- you know, the tax write-off that buyers could get, uh, as well as other entities, too. And plus, it sort of resets the, the, the ceiling cap that was in place, uh, the ceiling of 200,000 vehicles. Once that was hit by an automaker, uh, they would no longer be able to do uh, provide a, a tax credit uh, to a buyer. So a couple of companies, uh, namely Tesla and General Motors, they had already reached that ceiling of 200,000 cars. So people who were buying the Bolt or buying one of the Tesla models weren't going to be able to take advantage of that. So of course, it, it somewhat stifles the incentive to want to move the EV market further along. It's, it's such a relatively small part of the overall market 
Uh, we hear a lot of news about it, but in terms of sales, it, it hasn't quite spiked uh, as many people had hoped, at least not here in the United States. It's still not beyond, I think, 3% of the market, but it's going up. I mean, it is, it is catching on. Right, right. You know, it, times uh, keeps changing, you know. To, uh, younger buyers uh, have a different outlook, uh, and older buyers, too. Uh, you know, I, I know that uh, I certainly have it on my mind uh, uh, all the time. And so, uh, I mean, it's just some of the nitty-gritty of, of, of what's going on with it. Uh, one of the things that is, is, is important, as well as how much that tax credit would be, uh, initially, in, in the previous uh, uh, round, it was a up to a $7,500 tax credit. Uh, that gets reduced in this new bill uh, to $7,000. Uh, and it was also, you know, what would trigger it also would be uh, what type of uh, battery electric car uh, you were driving. Uh, you know, a total battery electric or, or full, full EV, uh, you would be eligible for the full amount, but plug-in hybrids would qualify for less typically. Uh, because the battery only does part of uh, the, you know, the, the the battery is only used in part of, of the locomotion of the vehicle. So that's that that's a key component. The other key component now is is that instead of the two hundred thousand car cap, it's up to in this new proposed legislation, it would move up to six hundred thousand. And a key ingredient here, though, that's really important for companies like GM and Tesla is that the cars that were sold between when they had already hit that cap, the 200,000 cap, and when this new legislation would come into play, those cars are not counted. So uh, it's only those, uh, if they bump it up to 600,000, it would start once the, the bill is in force. Uh, so that kind of gives... Uh, Tesla and GM, uh, a little bit of, of an advantage there too, uh, because those cars that they've been selling while they, the cap was not effective for their vehicles, so the, well, those cars will not count in the in the march towards the six hundred thousand figure. Uh, so that's kind of cool, and and of course the the, the enthusiasm here is that uh, with uh, uh, a Democratic controlled House, uh, the bill will probably advance to the Senate which now uh, uh, the Democrats have the tie-breaking vote uh, with the vice president, and that it would move along from there to the president, and maybe we'll see some real action on this, because this came up one other time uh, in 2020, I think it came up, uh, and uh, it, was, uh, it was shot down, uh, but that things could be different this time. So that's pretty cool. Uh, the other thing, too, that's important is that there's also a provision for those that want to that are buying a pre-owned electric vehicle as long as it's a, a two-year-old car. That's something that I thought was missing from the original bill. That's something I was happy to see in this one. Yeah, that's important. I, I think there were some states where you could still get a, a uh, even buying a used car that you might get some type of a credit of, of some sort. Or maybe if you tied that in with buying a, a charge a, a, a converter for your house, uh, uh, be able to plug in, uh, you know, to some type of a, a, of a, a unit that you would be able to get a, a credit on installing a charger, an EV charger in your house. But n- nevertheless, uh, the thing though is, is that the car can't, the price, the sales price of the used car can't exceed 
$25,000, and uh, it, the car has to be at least two years old. But I think what that's partly intended to do is it's intended to uh, not have people just kind of swapping cars just to get, get the tax credit. Well, that makes sense. I think we've, we, we ran into that, if I'm not mistaken, with, with um, Toyota. It was, uh, it was the, a, so, so yeah, Toyota. The dealers, at the, some of the dealers, uh, the salespeople at, at Toyota, one of the Toyota places that that were being able to take multiple times were getting a, taking advantage of of tax credits. Right, they were they were uh, they were buying the leftover Prius plug-in hybrids and trading them. They were buying them, driving them for a, like a year or so, then trading them in on a newer one and they the next year's leftover so they were getting the tax credit and then they were getting back the the trade in value on the car they were getting kind of making that back up so they were kind of benefiting but you know under 20 grand there's quite a few uh, vehicles you can get yeah 25 25 oh, 25 grand. that's so, even yeah, better that's i mean i was looking at um i was looking at car gurus and you know in, in our area around massachusetts you can get a a 2015 leaf for right now for six thousand seven hundred dollars there's, there's one on there. Uh, so, you know, you get two grand back in, in the tax credit. That's pretty good. But you can get, you know, Chevy Bolts, which are, you know, a very decent, you know, it's an economy car. Don't don't get me wrong, but it's a very decent EV and it's got very decent mileage and it gets a lot of good reviews. Uh, you can buy those used with, you know, I'm looking at, uh, uh, like I said, on CarGurus. There are a couple listed in the $15,000 range, and one of them has 13,000 miles. So that's a car that retailed for $40,000. <laughs> that's a lot of car for $15,000. You know, that's... Yeah, there's certainly, definitely some bargains there. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know uh, my uh, spouse was able to take advantage of that uh, a number of years back with, with a boat. That's too bad because you guys could have got the tax uh, credit if you waited. Uh, or, tra- or trade <laughs> up. Find <laughs> another one. Find the newer model. Uh, well, that's it's always a possibility, uh, but there's so many more choices now right. too. That's that's the other. She probably like the bolt. Uh, I do, <laughs> you know. For example, the the uh, you've even got it's not an EV per se, but you've got uh, the Pacifica, which we're going to be talking about, and we've got a, a Jeep that we'll be talking about, as well as uh, not only a, a, and an EV Jeep that uh, is just in concept stage right now, but we, we'll be getting to them. But but before we leave this tax credit topic. Uh, I do want to mention there is one other pretty neat provision that's in there. It w- it's going to also create tax breaks for uh, municipalities uh, and some companies uh, if they're purchasing, uh, you know, heavy duty or, or zero emission buses, for example. And they'll be they'll be able to uh, recoup twenty uh, percent, up to twenty percent of the sale price. Uh, for any for sales that are that uh, cost more than a hundred thousand dollars for vehicles that cost more more than a hundred thousand dollars. No, well, actually, uh, uh, the wording that I've read is it says sales over a hundred thousand. I don't think if that means an individual vehicle costing that much, or if it means a, a total the to- value of the of the sale. You know, buying let's say uh, you know let's say Pacificas. You know. Uh, for a senior center, there were they maybe they're buying several of those. Whether they would be able to recapture uh, up to twenty percent of the sales price if the total cost of the three or four vehicles they buy is over a hundred thousand. I don't. I'm not sure what the language is on that part. We'll have to look that up and get back to everyone on that. Uh, but that's 
but that's a good deal. You know, I, I can imagine a lot of towns would, would want to take advantage of that. Yeah, and there's a lot of – it's funny because the timing is right for uh, – for for vans, I mean, EV vans are going to be a, a big thing. You know, uh, you know that that whole delivery van. You know what they call last mile uh, delivery. Like Amazon now is actually got the you know their vehicles being built by Rivian, and they they actually have them on the road now. They're they're using pre production models in Los Angeles, and they're actually putting them to work. You know, and, and they're just starting to get production rolling, but. Um, there's also what's the other arrival? That's another company. They're, they're, they've put out a couple concepts of of a of a delivery van, and uh, oh, they had actually a couple different levels. They have like a small one that's sort of like the the um, the small like Transit Connect size, and then they had like a regular size van. But even you know Elon Musk has been talking about a van lately. Uh, the in the news, uh, not in the news, but. And just in general on Twitter and stuff, he's mentioned a van a couple times, so I have to imagine that's something on his mind, or maybe even something that they're going to spring on people soon. But um, you know, and, and it's funny with the tax credit. I, I initially had, I, I initially had hoped that, um, I was kind of hoping that they would have put a price cap on on these things. You know, as far as you know, do we need people getting a tax break when they buy a Taycan? You know, or even like a high end Model S or a Model X. You know. Well, I think there might be some income caps involved. So uh, individuals that uh, are, are even uh, households that are filing jointly. Oh, that's good. Uh, you know, they, they, may, they may end up getting smaller credits uh, based on their income. That's good. But then, you know, I was kind of back and forth on that because on the other side of the coin, uh, you've got Lucid and Rivian who are just starting up. And, and uh, you know, their vehicles are going to – some of them are going to fall into the – you know, over a hundred thousand mile, a uh, hundred thousand dollar. Hope they go over a hundred thousand miles, but a uh, hundred thousand dollar range, and uh, and uh, so we definitely want them to have sort of a fair shake. You know, right. when it comes to the tax credits. Well, there's always a kind of a gray area with with any of these things with tax credits. You know, or incentives that are being put in place to sort of uh, incentivize the economy uh, in a particular direction, or in, in incentivize our our. Uh, uh, purchasing in a certain direction, uh, you know. Uh, some would say there's winners and losers, uh, but you know it's an opportunity for automakers of any stripe to be able to get involved and, and produce vehicles that would be able to take advantage of these tax breaks. Uh, and it, the, of course, the the end result or the end, the, you know, where we're going with this is that uh, uh, this is an, an effort to move us fo- uh, forward into a more green greener profile as far as uh, what the automakers are producing and what people will have available to them to buy. Uh, you know, it's not some, some effort to stifle people's desire for horsepower or anything like that. It's, uh, it's uh, essentially a way to uh, clean up the planet. Uh, and uh, so, so that's a good thing. So uh, good luck with this one. I, I, I think that we've got a fair chance of, of making it through the hurdles uh, and... Uh, but you know, one other thing I just want to before we leave the subject, they didn't mention, they didn't make any mention of, you know, Biden had talked about that he wanted these vehicles to be built in the United States, and he kind of mentioned union workers as well, which Tesla wouldn't qualify for. But uh, you know, where does that put Ford, who put all their money into building an EV factory in Mexico? <laughs> you know, it's like they, they're not going to get anything on the on the marquee. It's not mentioned. One of the things, if you want to really look at the bigger picture, is is that uh, yes, obviously, is is that we would like to see 
the benef- some of the financial benefits of this be directed towards American manufacturing. No question there. Uh, but at the same time, we're also looking at the global picture of saying we need to do something to begin oh, yeah. to reduce the carbon footprint. Sure, yeah. And whether or not it comes from a, a Volkswagen uh, that's been made in Germany or whether it comes from a, a Jeep that's, that's made in Detroit, uh, it, it's, it's important for us to be able to get to a point where more people are uh, buying vehicles that are not putting as much carbon into the Oh, definitely, yeah. So that's, you know, I mean, so that's kind of, I think that's the end game that we're looking at. That's the bigger picture. Uh, If we get just hung up on what happens, you know, uh, know, just just to us, so to speak, uh, you know, we lose sight of what the the unified goal is. Uh, that uh, around across the globe, we need to begin to look at this a little bit differently. Uh, you know, we love our freedom of transportation. We don't want to lose that. Uh, and how can we do that? And at the same time, uh, make sure that we're providing a planet that's uh, healthy for our, our children, grandchildren, great grandchildren, and and beyond. So, so that, I think that's the key, and, and uh, that's uh, that's why I think that this is a good idea. So let's move into, you know, why don't we, I'm going to uh, not jump tracks because this is really on, this is in the same train yard, uh, but uh, uh, we, this week, we we had a, a meeting with uh, some of the folks from Stellantis, uh, in particular those from Chrysler, uh, which is a part of uh, the new Stellantis, and it was about the uh, the all new, the, the design, all new, des- newly redesigned Pacifica, which is a pretty new in terms of being a minivan. Uh, was it 2017 was when it was introduced as a minivan. Right. It's more of a refresh than a redesign. I wouldn't say redesign, although, you know, how manufacturers are, they kind of like to throw that word around. Oh, they'll say all new when they change the headlight. Well, this one, this one was revealed. This is a, the 2021 was re- revealed a year ago. And uh, so it's been, it's been out in circulation. And uh, what we were looking at a lot uh, in this presentation was the uh, the Pinnacle trim in, in particular, which is there with a name like Pinnacle, the to- very top of the line trim. There's a Touring, Touring L, there's a Limited, and uh, I know there's a few other ones here. I'm going to pull up some of the imagery that we uh, we had gotten uh, as part of the presentation. Right, and what, they, what they've tried to do is they've taken, you know, Chrysler had this sort of signature styling that they adopted with the Chrysler 200. It, and it's a very sort of elegant design, but they want to get the Pacifica more towards an SUV look or, or CUV type of look. So they, they widened the grill and they gave it kind of a more proper grill where before it had sort of a very thin flowing grill that went between the head, you know, from headlight to headlight. Although the, the, the Chrysler Voyager, which is a spinoff of the, of the Pacifica, will be keeping that front end, as they mentioned. Uh, and, the, and the Chrysler 200, of course, is long gone. Uh, so, so it sort of matches the the 300, which is the only other car left in the Chrysler stable, really. Well, uh, you know, one of the things too is is that, uh, and this ties into what you're just saying about you know what they're trying to do with the the look of the vehicle. Uh, it's a minivan, and they don't have any qualms about calling it a minivan. 
Uh, although at one point the, the Pacifica was a crossover. Uh, and also, I mean, we had a little bit of discussion around this, but I, I want to mention this key point about it is that they were very much on describing it as being a vehicle that's all about the family. And, uh, you know, in that respect, you know, minivans have always been all about the family. Oh, right. That's what made them so popular when, when the uh, Voyager and the Caravan first came out, uh, was that uh, it was a family car. I mean, it, it was just it was used so much you could do with a, with a, with a minivan. And of course, in that whole period of time, over the years, uh, 20th, 30, uh, you know, intervening years, uh, we began to see the SUV and the crossover begin to take over as the vehicle of choice. You know, so that's kind of left us where we're at. I did bring up something at the meeting, though, that was, uh, you know, debatable. Um, and, uh, and that was that there was actually a, a Chrysler Pacifica minivan that appeared as a concept vehicle in 1999. It was intended to uh, to celebrate the 15th year of the minivan. It was like an upscale version of a town and country. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I don't think. I'm going to say it didn't ever make it into production, or if it did, it was a very, very limited no, I, production. No, it doesn't sound familiar. Uh, when you look up the Pacifica, you get the you know the early version, which was sort of like a it was like a weird variant of the Mercedes R Class, if I'm not mistaken. It was kind of a Kind of a not a minivan minivan. It was almost like a minivan with a chop top and no third row. It was a weird vehicle. Right. Uh, no, it did have a third row, I think, but it still was kind of odd. It was like a short minivan. You know, so there, there initially was a little bit of a history with with a, a Pacifica minivan. But fast forward to 2017, which is when the Pacifica as a minivan is is the one that that we're talking about. You know, it's uh, it's it's been showing some real promising sales uh, signals. Sales were up 32 uh, percent in the third quarter of last year, and up another seven in the in the fourth, uh, according to uh, the folks at at Chrysler. They were part of this meeting, and that's over 2019 sales. It, it's like you're saying, not uh, a redesign, but there's, you know, the, the vehicle itself over the over this period of time that uh, is since it's been introduced, it's like a, a, a over 116 minivan firsts have gone into the uh, the manufacturing of the vehicle. Uh, and certainly, one of the things that that's impressive is the number of safety features that you see in this vehicle. Uh, you know, here's uh, this is these are standard safety features. This isn't some extra that you have to buy. Uh, there's 97 standard safety safety features in, in the vehicle, standard safety features. And there's more if you want to buy a few others. But I mean, things like pedestrian automatic emergency braking, blind spot monitoring, rear cross path detection, full speed forward collision warning. Uh, things like that. The, these are features that people are beginning, more buyers are beginning to not only want to have, but they're beginning to expect to have in a vehicle. And it makes perfect sense. Uh, you know, these are these are safety features that actually save lives, not just the people in the car, but but also people outside the car. Yeah, it's great. The, uh, the amount of standard safety features that they're putting in family cars now. Uh, and, and like you said, you can order also. They have like the, the premium safety group or something, and that has... You know the park sense, and it also has the uh, I'm sorry, the park sense parallel park assist and stuff like that. Where if you can't, if you're not very good at parking in parking spots, you can sort of have the van do it or help you out with it. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of some of those features. You know, uh, are, are safety features, uh, but also are convenience features. You know, in a certain kind of a way. Um, 
you know, some of the parking features in particular that some vehicles are, are putting forth now, you know, where uh, if you get squeezed into a parking space somewhere and you can't get your car out, or can't get into your car to get it out, you can back it up with uh, uh, remotely. That's uh, things like that. You know, those features are showing up. Uh, they, they can be labeled as safety features, but they're also very convenient. But there's an available all-wheel drive version of this Chrysler. And that is something that, at least for us here in New England and anyone up in the um, snow belt of, of, of our great country, uh, all-wheel drive is something that is, is almost needed uh, uh, in a vehicle, especially a vehicle of this size. It, it, it inspires confidence, but it also really protects uh, in, in a lot of ways. And Chrysler and Dodge, they were, well, actually more appropriately, Plymouth and Dodge, you know, they were the first to do this, I mean, really, with an all-wheel drive minivan. And it's it's odd that they kind of let that go, that Chrysler kind of put that aside. And then Toyota came along with Sienna, and the Sienna has all-wheel drive, and it, you know, works really well. But I just want to clarify, you know, you can't get the all-wheel drive with the plug-in hybrid, because there's two versions of the Pacifica. There's the regular Pacifica, and then there's the Pacifica plug-in hybrid, which... You can't get all-wheel drive, but hey, you can maybe cash in on some tax credits when they put the bill. Oh, actually, actually, Chrysler probably still has tax credits uh, regardless of whether the bill gets extended. Because you know, as far as EV goes, they've been sort of in in last place and and quietly sort of gearing things up. They haven't really put out much as far uh, in terms right. of electric vehicles. But now, you know, it's funny. Like the the Ram pickup trucks. When you look up the specs, they the Ram pickup truck comes with a base mild hybrid engine it has the v6 with the mild hybrid and it's it's weird that they don't kind of publicize that but but now you know they've got the the again the pacifica is really popular and it's a it's a great van i mean it's a great all-around van and i I like minivans because if you have kids i know people have this like this weird thing like my sister's this way it's like oh you should get a minivan Ah, i don't drive a minivan you know it's that attitude it's sort of like the station it's like the hatchback or the station wagon thing you know you know uh, you yeah. know they're super handy it's irrational in a, in a it, lot of it ways it is irrational and it's, it's like it. you can't get a better there's just no better family vehicle than a minivan I mean when you look at the packaging and the way that they build these things and the seating and, and the sort of the distance between the seating and, and you know it's you're not cramming uh, kids or, or you know even other adults maybe into the back of a small SUV or, or an S, even a, even decent sized SUVs, you know, sometimes the back row is, is tiny or, or you don't get elbow room or, you know, um, and, and, and not everybody wants to drive a Suburban either. I mean, you can go the other way. You can get a, a, a nine passenger Suburban if you really need it. But, you know, as far as comfort and driving and economy, you can't beat these, these, these minivans. It's, it's, it's weird that it's not more popular. A popular segment. Well, you got a hundred hundred percent of my support on that idea. <laughs> uh, that's for yeah. sure. Uh, I could talk about. Uh, 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 I've had uh, several vans, a caravan that we purchased new back in the early part of this century, uh, and uh, everything you said is exactly what I could say about that vehicle. Yeah. So uh, I mean, but you know, and uh, just to kind of touch back on uh, something where you mentioned that the. PHEV version of the Pacifica is not available with all-wheel drive. There's a good reason for that. It's not that somehow they just decided to leave it out. It's that if you look at the layout of the vehicle and where they've placed their their high-voltage battery pack and the way in which the drivetrain for the all-wheel drive is laid out in uh, the all-wheel drive version, it's kind of an impossible setup for them to be able to 
put that same drivetrain into the hybrid version. It, it just it's just not going to work. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll put a couple of photographs up on uh, the website uh, rpmnewsweekly.com. If you go to the website, and you'll see some of what we mean. These these are some uh, photographs that we gleaned from the slide presentation that was uh, uh, done this this week uh, uh, from Chrysler. Uh, but uh, and, and and maybe you can talk. You, you you probably have a maybe a little better handle on the all-wheel drive setup uh, than I do. Uh, but uh, from you know the illustrations that they that they put out there. Uh, you know, you've got uh, front-wheel drive, essentially a vehicle that's a front-wheel drive vehicle, and they've been able to add in, um, you know, a torque, uh, torque transfer clutch in the back with a rear drive module, uh, and uh, and it's a, but that's completely disconnectable, uh, as I recall from the presentation. This is that, uh, you know, so that it can still maintain some decent fuel economy. The, the system, it's, besides being fully automatic, it, it, it also will completely disconnect when, when you don't need to have uh, the rear wheels uh, being uh, powered. So uh, so I think that's pretty cool. But may, I don't know, maybe, maybe you've got more to say no, on that. No, I mean, that pretty uh, much sums it up. I mean, it, the, the system itself is it's, it's in the hybrid. I mean, not in the hybrid. I'm sorry. In the, in the, in the regular, well, the only version that has all-wheel drive, the all-wheel drive version, um, it, it's, it's not – that groundbreaking in terms of of how all-wheel drives setups i mean like overall setups it, it's this is the same way that they did this back in the in the 90s you know with the with the caravan and 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 uh, the chrysler and all that so the um you know you basically have the front wheel drive transmission as as you normally would but it has sort of a, a pto that extends off and goes to the back and like you said the, the rear axle is disconnectable uh, and, and and as he said in the presentation because uh, uh, somebody had asked about I was thinking this question and then somebody asked it which is the, the way I like it because I don't have to ask a question but um, you know uh, I think it was Dan Roth from the Wheel Bearings podcast he does an automotive podcast he had asked if, if they were considering adding a an electric all wheel drive like an on demand type of all wheel drive and what they do with that is is they put instead of having the rear axle and a drive shaft and they put a uh, a motor back there, but as as they pointed out in the presentation, they they can't do that with the Pacifica because that the battery on the plug-in hybrid sits sort of in that that spot. So you they would have to repackage the whole van and probably get rid of the stow and go, which is a compromise they they don't really want to make for that. They they um, but you know the the electric on-demand systems, uh, as I was telling you before we came on the podcast. I'm driving this week. I'm driving the Toyota, the Toyota Venza, which is a you know it's sort of like a midsize CUV or I don't think it's an SUV. It's more of a crossover. They, they, of course, they don't say crossover anymore. I don't know if you notice this, but crossover the word is getting yeah, phased they're out. Weaning, yeah, uh, they're, they're weaning the public from the use of the right. word. Right, yeah. e- even the EPA now they say they say small and large SUV. They don't say crossover at all, and. Uh, yeah, so I'm driving the Toyota Venza, and we've had, you know, up in Boston, in the New Hampshire area, we've had um, some pretty good snowfall this, this last couple of weeks, and, and I was fortunate to be able to drive this particular vehicle in the snow and test out the rear end. And, and how it works is is you have a front-wheel drive drivetrain, and then you have the, an electric motor in the back, and the electric motor in the back will operate basically when it's needed. But in the Toyota, uh, I can't speak for other brands, I just happen to know because I'm driving this one, uh, you can actually see the Toyota. They have a little gauge that shows you what wheels are being powered. 
and when you when you take off in just regular just regular dry pavement the back wheels the back motor will kick in and and it'll get you up to about three miles an hour and then kick off you can see it kind of so when i stop at my to open my gate i have you know the front driveway has this sort of sloping area and there's a and there's a kind of slopes up and then there's a gate i had to stop and open the gate and uh like if i'm driving my daughter's car which is a front wheel drive fusion that car in this type of weather will kind of struggle but it will it won't go up the little incline as easy as you know as our jeep say of course and uh so with the toyota it was just instantaneous it just didn't even didn't budge just went right up right and uh it's so seamless in that vehicle like the transfer of power is is remarkably seamless but when you talk about the vehicle packaging though going back to the minivan you know i i i think i mentioned this we i mentioned this to you i i had given somebody a ride and they the first comment when they got in is like yeah this car it, it looks big on the outside but it doesn't feel very big on the inside like he, you know, he said that uh, so he's like, well, this is, it's, it's a lot smaller than I thought, you know, uh, and this is where going back to the minivan, which coincidentally, the I just was having to, I just happened to notice as I'm as I'm talking about this, the sticker price on the Venza that I'm driving, which is the uh, the XLE, is thirty nine seven three five, which is basically on point with the entry level Pacifica Hybrid, <laughs> so uh, I probably would go with the Pacifica Hybrid myself. Uh, on that one, just out of space alone. Yeah, thir- thir- yeah, the touring version of the hybrid uh, front-wheel drive is thirty-nine nine ninety-five. Uh, if you go up to the Pinnacle, you're at fifty thousand eight forty-five. That's for the hybrid version. The Pinnacle in the all-wheel drive version, gasoline is uh, fifty-three three ninety. But you know, there's an interesting thing that kind of, as you were describing uh, your experience with the driveway there. Uh, and uh, how the all-wheel drive systems work. Uh, most of the time, we sort of focus on the idea of, uh, you know, they'll 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 trigger based on uh, wheel slip or things that are happening at the at the wheel itself. Um, but there's a lot more, you know, with the control modules that are in the contemporary vehicles. There's a lot more input that is used to determine when and how. And to what extent the all-wheel drive is going to be working? For example, uh, you know the vehicle can sense the outside temperature, and when it nears freezing, it's going to uh, put the vehicle in all-wheel drive. Uh, you know, it uses that as a as a, a potential input. Uh, also, driver information: uh, if you've turned on the the rain or windshield wipers, uh, these things all come into determining whether or not the all-wheel drive is going to be uh, uh, in play. Uh, abrupt steering inputs uh, and uh, rough road conditions, uh, steep grades. Uh, so it's more than just the wheel slip that it, it is using uh, as a determining factor of, of when and, wh- and what wheels should get uh, more power. Uh, so it's pretty fascinating how uh, much they've evolved. You know, the, the systems are, have evolved uh, you know, to be able to consider all of those factors and determining where and and how much of power to apply to what wheels so uh so that's uh that's uh that's quite a bit that's happening with this new vehicle uh i should say the 2021 uh redesigned or uh, uh, uh 
you know, re, reinvigorated. Uh, how's that? Is that a term that we should reinvigorated. use for vehicles? That's, that's, that yeah, that's a good, uh, uh, re, reinvigorated. It's usually refreshed, uh, revived, re, uh, revised, I should say. Uh, reinvigorated. Well, uh, you know, it's, I don't know, maybe not, because it's not really reinvigorated, because it's it's still fairly, like you, as you pointed out, new. Uh, it's not that old of a car. It came out in 17, and then, you know, I think Chrysler just kind of wants to, they just kind of wanted to, um, you know, change up their front end styling, you know, kind of move past that era. Um, right. That, where, where they had hey, the hey, did you catch that thing with the little pillows that they have <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the pinnacle, pinnacle model? That they actually have lumbar yeah, pillows. Yeah, very, very Land Rover-esque. Provide, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, and they look pretty good. That that leather, that car- caramel leather, looked pretty sharp. Right, pretty it's got sharp. the quilted, the quilted uh, uh, kind of leather. I forget what kind of leather it is now, but you're right. It's it's quilted. It's leather. It's sort of that that baseball glove color. Well, not not as as light, but you know. Um, Mm. Uh, yeah, so it, it looks comfortable, and hopefully we'll, I'll get a chance to drive it. I'm going down to the New England Motor Press Association's winter vehicle test days uh, on Saturday. Um, so I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to driving that as well as the um, the Mach-E. They have the Mustang Mach-E down there. Oh, yeah. And what about the Durango SRT? <laughs> oh, I had that, actually. I just had the Durango SRT, yeah. Um, not a winter yeah. vehicle. <laughs> and And I blame the tires more than than the vehicle itself but when you put that much horsepower right, right. well you we we've got a, we've got a separate piece that's going to be coming up on rpmnewsweekly.com uh look for it next week that it's a feature that you're writing about the uh, durango SRT. right no complaints about uh, it but yeah, but we had uh, we had something else uh, we had something else on our agenda today is uh uh speaking of uh electric vehicles uh, yeah. uh we and, and stellantis <laughs> uh one of their their brands includes the uh, Jeep brand, and uh, there was some news about a, a concept uh, EV uh, coming out of Wrangler. Yeah, not a vehicle that we'd normally talk about on this show at all, or, or even can be able to say, yeah, you can get a tax credit on that, because <laughs> uh, you know, uh, if you know the Wrangler, obviously, it, it's the tried and true sort of it's one of the last vehicles you would think that's going to go EV. You know, you got it's got a very kind of diehard following of people who want to put 42 inch tires on it and sink it in mud uh, but then again there's also a sort of uh, there's also a side of the jeep hobby where people who want to just go out and actually do want to just go out in nature and go down trails and 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 you know explore you know and and the, that's one of the weird benefits of an electric wrangler as long as you have the miles you know as, as long as the range is good enough uh yeah, you can get out and go through the woods without without making a lot of noise. <laughs> you know, uh, you mm. can actually be in. Well, nature. they're planning to. Re- Apparently, they're going to be uh, showing it uh, at uh, the Easter Jeep Safari at Moab, Utah, uh, in March. Yeah, I, I, I I've always wanted to go to that. I, I, every year, I say next year I'm going to go to the Easter Jeep Safari. Uh, they always debut weird things with, you know, Jeep especially. They always do some very, very interesting. Uh, well, you would you would think that if they're going to go there, that this is a concept, but it's not going to just be put up on a pedestal yeah. without uh, actually being able to show some of its stuff. Uh, I, you would think. No, Jeep does. They 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 will always take concepts to Moab and run them. They actually run them. Uh, out in the trails mm-hmm. they they had like when the gladiator pickup concept 
was out and uh you know the the they did a, a jeep forward cab i don't know if you remember the old jeep forward cabs it was a it was sort of a a, a pickup truck made out of jeep parts so the front half almost looked like a van uh, a very awkward looking little vehicle it was made out of leftover parts at the time because you know 1950s and uh they made a modern version of that out of Wrangler parts, and it, they took it. And they ran that, you know. They ran around the, um, and, and they're also installing. You know, if you read, if you go onto the Jeep website, there's, um, there's actually a, you can go on Jeep site. It's it's like Jeep. Jeez, uh, I forget the name of it. The road ahead, I think it's called. It's like Jeep. Oh yeah, the road. Yeah, that's it. The road uh, ahead. So it's a page. It's a page. So they're talking. It's a page they have on the website. Yeah. Yeah, and they and they show they show some pictures of it. They show like the sort of the layout of it. Of course, they don't give you any specs. They're not giving us anything as far as ranges or anything right now. But they, um, you know, they they showed pictures of of these solar powered charging stations that they're going to add out on the popular trails so like moab and and um, there's a few other popular trails around the country and jeep is actually going to put these charging stations there in the middle of nowhere with with a with a it has sort of an awning on it and, and obviously solar panels and um they don't really specify if they're going to be free or not to use uh, i'm not sure on that but so if you get one of these electric wrangles you'll be able to drive to the trail charge up and then go off-roading so they're thinking of they're thinking of these things, you know. They they want to make sure they got these out there. But what's interesting about to me? Does, hey, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just what we need: some charging stations out in the middle of a desert. <laughs> let's let's get them. Let's let's get them where we really need them first. Well, this is you know they they've got to support their brand and they've got to they've got to yeah. get you know yeah. you can't yeah. you know this is sort of stealing a page from Tesla's book because when Tesla first started selling the Model S. They knew they had to invest in charging stations, and they started putting charging stations out in just random places. And people were like, "Why are they putting? Why is Tesla wasting all this money putting charging stations all up and down the East Coast? You know, and they don't have any cars out here." And 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 that's what happened. You know, they 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 were out there. People saw them, and and, and also early adopters they they had a charging they had yeah. uh, somewhere to charge their cars. And Tesla knew that, so now Jeep is doing the same thing. They're going to create brand awareness. I mean, who who even know you know, who who knows they're going to come out with an EV Wrangler anyway? You know, the, um, well, so yeah. I mean, who expected? Did, did anyone expect that we were going to come out with the uh, the hybrid version, the the Wrangler Four XE? Yeah, yeah, that came that kind of came out of nowhere. And that's and that's in production. That's not a concept. That's 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 in yeah, production. Yeah, and this is where Jeep and and I think. Uh, can I call it FCA instead of Stellantis? Uh, this is where um, I think these brands are handling this sort of transition correctly because, yeah, they're doing an electric Jeep, and a lot of people are going to be like, oh, it's the electric car. Though. I don't live in California. you know. Um, so they aren't just – they aren't just sort of shoving it in everyone's faces, you know, and, and they, but – and they sort of like, I don't know if it's like a slide of hand type thing, but here they are putting out two green models. And then the same week that they show the the 4XE, they put out the, the, the Jeep Wrangler Rubicon 392, which is the 6.2 liter V8 from the Hellcat. <laughs> so, you know, there's a, there's, an, <laughs> there's such a weird well, juxtaposition you know. to that. But, but at the same time, yeah. you know. They're expanding the, the the Wrangler engine lineup is crazy now. It used to be you got the V6. That's uh -huh. it. You got a V6. You can have a manual. You can have an automatic. Now you have the V6, 
the V6 Hybrid, the 2-liter, uh, the 392 Hemi, <laughs> which is kind of funny, uh, a, a plug-in hybrid, and, and now the electric is coming not far behind that. Oh, and the diesel. Don't forget, they have the, the Eco Diesel as well. And Hellcat engine notwithstanding, uh, the, the 4XE is, is a powerful little critter. Right. You know, it, it, it might have that two-liter engine in it, but uh, all, all said and done, it's, uh, it's capable of 375 horsepower and 470 pound-feet of torque. So you talk about something that's going to lift you up over, over a few boulders. Right. Uh, you know, I think that's, that's, that's a pretty, pretty decent statement for a car like that. Right, and it's, they say it has an EPA-estimated range of like 25 miles when fully charged. So, I mean, in a Wrangler, that's, a, that's great. Right. And you can pick when you want to use that, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can, go, you can go all electric or you keep it in hybrid mode or you can do like an electric save. So, so it's used only when you, when you uh, want to use it. Yeah, I uh, love that. And, you know, all electric cars should have that, I think, unless the battery is maybe too small or something. But, uh, again, I'm driving this, this Venza, and it has the button where you can put it sort of, it's, I forget what they call it, EV hold. No, what does Toyota call it? Well, EV mode, I think it is. So you can push the button and it'll go into EV. But every single time I push that button, it just went not available, <laughs> not available, not available. Speed excessive, <laughs> not available. Yeah. Uh, battery not charged. It was at like a half, not available. I'm like, well, what's the point of this stupid button? The car, I just might as well let the car handle it itself. But in this, it's going to be a lot more, as you said, you know, selectable. So if you're going to go off-roading, you can drive to the trail on gas and then just save the electric for the off-road. And it's a full-time 4x4 with a two-speed transfer case. I, I have to say, I haven't driven it out in some rugged terrain. But on paper, this sounds like you know, this car is not sacrificing anything going uh, hybrid. No, and that's the surprising thing I was going to mention. When you look at the, they don't have a lot of specs out for the, the electric version, which is going to have even probably more power. Then I, I, I think that's going to have more power than the Hemi. I just don't think that Jeep wants to mention that right now because... because uh, you know, they don't want to take away from that. And this is going to be their next, you know, the next thing to drop. But if you look at... Their bridge. You, Maybe it'll be their right. bridge. And, and if you look at the, the, the drivetrain layout on this, they've kept the the solid front and rear axle. And they've even kept, the even on the electric version, it still has the transfer, the transmission. Uh, or it looks like it still has the transmission in the transfer case, which... I was wondering how they're going to, you know, how are they going to pull off doing a very off-road capable electric vehicle? I mean, it, it sounds, you know, I, I guess it sounds easy, you know, to do it in a, in a van or a crossover. But in, in a Wrangler, which is something to, that you want to expect to perform off-road, I, I thought, you know, how are they going to do this, this front electric motor and this rear electric motor, like, say, a Tesla setup? Um how is that going to do off-road? Is it going to be an independent rear suspension? But they, they're very cleverly, they left this sort of, they left it all Jeep. So on the electric version, it literally looks like they pulled the gas tank out, pulled the engine out, put an electric motor where the engine would sit, and then it's, it's the rest of it is Jeep. So it's going to be very capable. And it's an interesting way to do it. I don't mm-hmm. think anyone else has done an, a full-on EV this way. You know, usually it has like an electric motor in the back or, you know, an electric motor if it's a... Uh, like the Chevy Bolt has sort of a, a, a little electric powertrain that sits up front like a front-wheel drive engine would, you know. So it's, it's very interesting. I, I, uh, I can't wait to hopefully get a ride in it or take it off-road or, or own one, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, 
hats off to them, you know, for jumping in like this with uh, uh, the Wrangler. I, you know, we've talked about it many times. We were wondering when the old FCA was going to do something. They had the Fiats that, you know, were, were kind of dipping in, in, into the EV waters. Uh, but, you know, where was Dodge? Where, you know, where was Jeep? Where was Chrysler? Uh, they just didn't seem to have, where was Ram? You know, they, they didn't really seem to have much going in, in that yeah. arena. Uh, and so finally, it, it looks like you know they weren't sleeping. They, they've got a few entries here that'll that'll satisfy uh, uh, their customers, and especially the long-term customers. I think uh, you know th- this uh, quite literally might be their bridge finally, uh, and maybe the, the you know uh, joining forces with uh, Peugeot and and uh, the the European mindset uh, to create this new company will give them even more opportunities to advance in the all-electric arena. Well, they're going to sneak it in. You know, I mean, the one to watch is Dodge. Dodge is sort of going to be the when when Dodge goes, you know, cuz they are the brotherhood of muscle, you know, they are the Hemi V8, they are they are the sound, you know, everything about Dodge, the wide body challenger and 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 all that doesn't have to go away. Yeah. It might get quieter. But what <laughs> but, but what yeah, quieter, but what's not muscular about uh you know having an electric motor that'll get you 800 right horsepower. but <laughs> it doesn't sound the same <laughs> you know um but you know here's the thing it, the um you know there's been a lot of rumor that the next charger and the next challenger will share a platform with the maserati ghibli right and and that car is getting a a uh, 48 volt hybrid system with a, with a two liter engine of course because everything's a two liter mm-hmm. when it comes to you know, global engines, you know, two liter is sort of the max. Uh, so if they follow through and, and we see the, the Charger and the Challenger come out in, in sort of a new generation, uh, you, you have to wonder, you know, that'll be it. That's sort of the end. That's the end of it. Once they fall, you know, versus other brands, maybe what Lamborghini, <laughs> you know, that's a high end out there. They're not going to go EV for a while or even Ferrari, you know, Ferrari resisted going electric now they're like hey we're going electric we're going to have electric cars um but the um yeah so so dodge is the one to watch when they start going ev that's it there's there's no going back (laughs) you know sort of the uh the end of it uh and and they were hinting about well we're in a great we're we're in we're in a great time to to see these changes uh i'm looking forward to a lot of them just a quick reminder too we've got formula e races coming up at the end of the month uh a new season is starting again uh, always exciting racing there too, and this year you can catch it on uh, some of the uh, uh, networks that everyone watches. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be that that much easier to to see the races. Uh, I I can't wait. I was just going to say that you know that was a tough thing with the, with the with the Formula E. It's like, hey, did you watch Formula E? Well, how do I watch it? Well, I don't know. It's it's on this. You got to watch it online here or stream it. And now they're making it easier to get to. So you know that about wraps it up, I guess, for us. We've been chatting on for a little longer than we expected today. Um, don't forget to check us out at rpmnewsweekly.com. As uh, Rich mentioned, I will be writing something or putting out something this week about the, the Dodge Durango that I had the pleasure of driving, although not an EV uh, by any means. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Rich, yeah. you are going to recap the, the, the Stellantis event, if I'm not mistaken. The, uh, right. Uh, so, you know, a little bit more on paper about uh, the Pacifica with some photographs. Right. So that'll be coming up this weekend. And then, of course, you've got our podcast here uh, that you can find on evpowerpodcast.com. Right. And hopefully next week we'll 
get to chat about the Maki because uh, I'm supposed to be driving it this weekend. I don't want to curse myself. It'll, you know, probably hit a blizzard or something prevent me from getting in that but and yeah we, i'm looking forward to driving it and talking about it and as a mustang owner as a double two mustang owner you know seeing my can i am i still hung up on the name thing i don't know but uh i suspect it's gonna be good i'm sure you'll have a lot of fun i i hope so yeah i hope it's worth it uh all right well we'll catch you all next week all right till uh, then till then Thanks for joining us on the EV Power Podcast. If you'd like to hear more automotive news that goes behind the headlines, check out our other podcast, RPM News Weekly, or visit us at rpmnewsweekly.com. 